Welcome to Lou Palumbo's Between the Lines. Problem solving for our future. Lou. Common sense, logic, and reasoning. Lou. The man that can't stand hate and animus. Lou. Stimulating the thought process of America. Lou. Where being right is not political, it's factual. Lou. Providing real solutions in real time. And now, here's your host, Lou Palumbo. We're back at it again. Um, the, the contention in the country, the problems that we're facing, um, almost appear to be in times insurmountable. And I think what's most troubling is not so much that we have these problems, but they're not being properly addressed. Everything seems to be agenda-driven. Um, I speak regularly to the borders because the borders should be of grave concern. Um, recently, Christopher Ray, the FBI director, alluded to the fact that you know, communist China is the greatest threat to our national security, which I do not disagree with. But I think running right up there is also this flooding of the country via Mexico that just seems to be untethered, you know, just isn't being managed properly. And that does not subscribe to a notion that we should not have a migration process. The problem is it's not being done in an orderly fashion. They are intentionally misleading you into believing that the people coming into the country are properly vetted. They are not. There are over 900,000 what they refer to as gotaways, those individuals that we detected through technology but did not intercept. The crime problem with many of them coming into the country is irrefutable. You know, this is a real interesting scenario that we're facing, and I think many people are suspect as to the, to the agenda or the motivation of the political party in power as to what this is ultimately supposed to translate to for them. I've oftentimes spoken to the population of this country, which seems to have, in my opinion, a real relevance in this discussion. Um, as I mentioned to you, the population since my year of birth has more than doubled. It was 150 million. So I continue in saying that we need to monitor what's going on on our borders and try to make a determination as how many people is it feasible to continue to let in and what's, what's the priority that takes precedence over other reasons to enter the country. In other words, if you have a legitimate request for asylum, which everybody seems to claim they have now, it has to be verified. You know, part of this discussion revolves around the fact that a lot of these people that are fleeing Central and South American countries are fleeing oppression legitimately. That's irrefutable. The manner in which these governments operate is just hor horrific, you know, and you have to ask yourself, what would be in the mindset of an individual, a mother and children, to traverse thousands of miles at times to seek something different than what they have. They've got nothing to lose by making a run for it here. You know, there's no question that life here is considerably better than it is in most parts of the world, although I would like to mention something else that too many Americans take this for granted. Um, associated with the activity at the borders is trafficking, human trafficking for sex purposes. There is an organization, Phantom Rescue, um, I would suggest you look into it. It's an organization that goes in and rescues these young girls and even boys, not gender specific, um, from, you know, the, the sex trafficking problem. And I want you to know this, it just isn't at the borders. It's somewhat pervasive in the country and even on the lands of the indigenous people. So um, 
I, I encourage you to inquire. I also want to thank our sponsors, Instacart and Buzzsprout. Um, the format of this show is actually built off Buzzsprout, and I know a lot of people, myself included, that do utilize Instacart. It does work. They're both, they're both very user-friendly applications. Um, Instacart is just easy. You know, you can pick out what you like, and they'll bring it to your home from the grocery store. So uh, I, I do want to tell you we also have some special offers set aside for you. Um, when you start to review these um, sponsors of ours. and uh, so, so, guys, before we get to this young lady, Miss Shannon, Karine Shannon, to be exact, I, I'm going to touch on to an email with you, and it's an interesting email. This is Mindy from Bethesda, Maryland. She's asking, Washington, D.C. DC Mayor Muriel Bowser is asking the National Guard to mobilize in an effort to deal with the migrants that are being bused to the city from the southern states. Bowser is asking that the D.C. Armory be used as a processing center and that the D.C. National Guard resources be used to help field migrants as they arrive by bus. Should the National Guard be involved? What is your primary concern? Why is this happening? Very good question. Very good question. Um, the first thing I want to mention is that I, I find a bit of irony here because Many of, the, of, of these jurisdictions, as you were aware, D.C., Washington, D.C. is not a state. It's a jurisdiction. It's a district. They are sanctuary. New York City, for example, the whole state of California is a sanctuary state. Um, New York. And suddenly migrants are showing up on their doorstep because they're being uh, sent there, allegedly, although there are individuals denying this, from states like Texas and Arizona. Um, the irony is that it seems to be okay for the people in Arizona and the governmental mechanism in Arizona and the same thing for Texas and California, New Mexico, to have to field this issue but not, you know, the more democratically run cities. I don't know how else to say this. There's not a nice way. I just want to speak to you truthfully. And I do find hypocrisy, period, end of discussion. What I also find interesting is that in Washington, D.C. in particular, they do not hesitate to call upon the National Guard, who, by the way, have indicated recently that they're over, overtaxed. They just cannot mobilize in a manner in which they did prior. They're being overused. But what I find interesting is that if you, if you breathe heavily in the, dish, in, the dish, in the direction, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, of Washington, D.C., we suddenly have tens of thousands of National Guardmen, Guardsmen, uh, police mobilized, 12 hours on, 12 hours off, RDOs and vacations canceled, and fences constructed. I'm, I'm trying to understand why what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. Now I'll tell you who the gander is. The gander is a city like Chicago. A gander is a city like Baltimore, Detroit, Philadelphia. I could run them across the country. The one way we could get Chicago back in tow, for example, is if we deployed the National Guard, which was sub suggested by a prior administration and rejected, commingled with law enforcement, imposed a curfew, and just send out one real simple, simple message. We're not tolerating guns in the street anymore. Be guided accordingly. If you brandish a weapon, you will be afforded an opportunity to surrender that weapon, and then whatever fate falls to you, you will be the architect of yourself. Period. So I do not think it's appropriate that she call upon the National Guard because there seems to be some concern. 
you know, they have an excellent police department in Washington, D.C. that's constantly being taxed with various demonstrations because it is the seat of the government. But I just don't understand why it's a problem for her to entertain the migrants the way other peop- other states, jurisdictions, cities are being asked to entertain them. There are a lot of other big discussions that go on with this co- conversation. I constantly remind people as to the population growth in this country. I tell people in my lifetime it's more than doubled. It went from 150 million around the year of my birth to 335 million. It went up 135 million since the year 1970. Is there a certificate of occupancy for the United States? No one seems to be able to speak to this. We just are flooding the border with millions of people from all over the globe, many of whom are going unvetted. If they tell you that they are, they're lying to you. And I defy them to call in to me or come sit in the studio with me and look me in the face and lie. Although I have to be candid with you, tragically, that seems to be part of the mechanism that's been employed by Mayorkas from Homeland Security. You know, another issue along with this whole border discussion is the root cause, as it was referred to by the vice president. I hear you. I know what the root cause is. It is tyrannical to live in some of these countries in Central and South America, and that's the motivating factor for many of these people heading towards our borders. I understand that. But I'll tell you something else that's going on, folks, that we don't like to speak about. We're not taking care of our own people before we're introducing millions of people and burdening the taxpayers at a time where we're under financial duress because of the cost of living, right? The inflation rate and the price of gasoline. I'm starting to wonder who in God's name is running the country. And I don't point the finger at one aisle or the other. They're supposed to collaboratively work in a direction for the betterment of this country, most importantly for our children. Because people like myself, you know, I'm pretty much out of the woods. You know, anybody that's hit 60, you know, your career is behind you if you so choose. And you can collect your pensions and Social Security and drop it back a notch and not have to play in the public arena if you don't want to. But our young people are caught in this quagmire. And we don't seem to have a leadership, a voice. Do I think what um, Muriel Bowser is asking for is reasonable? No. Step up to the plate and get creative. Put your cops on overtime. Better yet, why don't you try to hire more cops after you defunded them, threaten them with arrest, prosecution, and incarceration every time they look wrong at people? You know, there's a certain, um, how would you say, political element that has festered this problem in law enforcement, which translates to this issue. You want to help? You want some help in managing this? Go to your police department. Uh, Start there, for example, before we start asking people to give up their lives in the National Guard to come hold your hand every time the wind blows in the wrong direction towards you. And I've listened to the mayor in the city of New York, the same thing. We have homeless people on infinitum since the mayor, uh, prior mayor de Blasio came in. We have a mental health problem in the city of New York that's almost immeasurable. The only people I think that are out doing us is L.A. That's my opinion. Where's the, where's the mechanism to fix this, folks? I'm not pointing my finger there and just criticizing. I can tell you how we have to bite into this. We're going to have a young lady on today, a young lady by the name of Corrine Shannon. I have a feeling that she's a New Yorker. I do believe she was educated there. She's currently based in central Mexico where she's on the board of directors 
of a nonprofit organization called the Latin American Relief Fund. She is also the executive producer of an upcoming documentary, Las Sobagadas, which means lawyer in Spanish. That will tell the story of migration from Central and else, Central America and elsewhere from the perspective of four attorneys who did work on the border during the Trump administration. So I look forward to having her. We're going to ask her some interesting questions as to if she believes it's a political agenda attached to what's going on at the border today. Is she aware of the, the volume of people that we're having cross the border? Is she aware of the volume of people we already have residing in the country? I'd like to know if she's aware of the mechanisms in place that facilitate migrants coming to the country. But I also want to make sure she's clear that I am not opposed to um, allowing migration. It has to be done in an orderly fashion that allows vetting because we're having problems with people coming into the country not being vetted properly. I'd like to know if she's a proponent of open borders. And we're going to get into that with her shortly. We're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back. If you're looking for peace of mind, look no further than Global Elite for your safety. Global Elite Security Force is made up of active and former law enforcement agents. Their force has worked at the federal, state, and local level. They are dedicated to providing the most professional personal security and investigative services available in the private sector. With offices nationwide and globally, this footprint gives Global Elite the ability to coordinate protection and security anywhere in the world. Think of Global Elite Protection Services for special events, dignitaries, high-profile net worth individuals, and the entertainment industry security services. Offering drones, weapons detection, shot sporting, chem biodetection, executive protection surveillance, dignitary protection, threat assessment, private investigation, and cyber security. They are the experts in intelligence and private protection services. Go to globalelite.us.com. That's globalelite.us.com to engage global elite. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional-sounding podcast. Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. Guys, we're going to go to this young lady right now. Joining us is a young woman, Corrine, if I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. If not, I hope she corrects me. Corrine Shannon. And as I mentioned earlier, she's involved intimately in Mexico in the facilitation of processing and directing people towards our borders. Corrine, are you there? Hey, y'all. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So I got to ask you a couple of questions. You a New Yorker? I am a New Yorker. You yes. little devil. You. Where are you from? Um, I was born in California, but uh, raised mostly in uh, Queens and New Jersey. No kidding. I live in New Jersey my adult life. Yeah. So where in California are you from? 
Uh, Bay Area. My oh, very nice. Both from San Francisco. Beautiful up there. Bay Area is spectacular. Yeah. Just doesn't matter which direction you go. It's incredible. So yeah. I gather you went to school in New York as well. Am I correct? City University That's of New correct. York. Yeah. Recording in progress. That's interesting. Very interesting. So um, first thing I want you to do is tell us a little bit about what you're doing. In general, in my life? <laughs> no, I want to be specific to the topic uh, uh, regarding yeah, the yeah. borders because I do want to ask you some questions regarding the border and some other tangential dis- uh, questions that directly may may impact our country. So, you know, please speak to your, your activities at the border first. Uh, sure. So to start with, I've uh, been practicing immigration law for almost 30 years in different capacities. For the last 24 years, I've been with a law firm called Fragomen, which is the largest immigration law firm in the country and the world, actually. It's a you know, corporate immigration. We represent businesses who are hiring foreign workers and moving them around the world. Um, but while at Fragman, I really became interested in what what prompted me to become a lawyer in the first place, which was pro bono work, um, helping the less fortunate using you know, the tools that I've gained as a lawyer um, to help people and specifically to help migrants since I was an immigration lawyer. So I started going down to the border area in 2014 when there was first a, a huge uh, uptick in uh, arrivals by Central American refugees seeking asylum. And I and some other lawyers from my firm started volunteering at one of the U.S. government's family immigrant detention centers. Um, so these were mothers and children who had crossed the border flagged down a border patrol officer and said, help, we, we're in fleeing danger. We would like to apply for asylum in your country. And they were then held in these detention centers. Um, so what we do as lawyers is um, sit down with these women and their children and um, tell them what their rights were under U.S. Was and it gender specific? Uh, 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 I hate to It interrupt. was. It yeah. was. So primarily. Yeah. Now, what, what, about, what about the males? I mean, did you not encounter males that had the same... Uh, there were, um, for a short period of time, one of the family detention centers was uh, dedicated to fathers with children. Um, but the vast majority of families, it's either mothers and children come in alone or they're separated. The fathers are sent off, unfortunately, to male detention camps and the mothers with young children under 18 are kept together or were at that time. I, I want to tell you a little bit about the show now, uh, Kareen. Is, is that the correct pronunciation of your name? Noah? Yes. Thank yes, you. I, I, I don't want to offend you. You know, just to tell you a little bit about the show and myself, first of all, mm-hmm. I, am, I am conservative by nature. I have a law enforcement background from New York. Um, I have a real strong liberal tinge to me, to be very candid with you. Um, I am not opposed to the migration process. I want to be clear about that right out of the gate. The show is really about problem solving. It's truth-driven, and it's not contentious. I'm sure that you and I are living in the same world where we listen to everyone rhetorically cutting each other's throats, I guess for the purpose of entertainment, and all it's done is created an immense amount of animosity and division. You know, it's divided our country. So I do want to just tell you a little bit about what the show's about and what I'm about, and and I want to ask you another question, if I may. What is your... Um, perception as to what's going on at the borders right now and how it's being managed by our government or let's say even from within Mexico? Okay, well, first of all, I want to say uh, I appreciate your perspective. And when I received the invitation to join your show, I had, I listened to a few of your podcasts. And um, I, I appreciate that we come maybe from 
different ends of the political spectrum. But what I really respect is that you aren't contentious and that you treat diverse opinions with respect. And that's why well, I, I, I intend agree on you teaching me today, young lady. I'm not a young lady. I wish I was. Yes, you are. You're a young lady. <laughs> Don't let anybody sell you anything different. That's all up to you. But I intend on learning from you today because, you know, I have my own perceptions. Uh, as I mentioned to you also, you know, um, I, I believe in the migration process, the process in which the country's been built. Um, I, as I was saying, and I did interrupt you, so I apologize. I do want to hear what your, your perceptions are of what's going on at the border currently, how it's being managed, um, and how we go forward in a positive manner here. Because there are people who are access, accessing this country or attempting to that need to access it. That's what our country's about, and I know you know that. So continue. I apologize, Corrine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have to say that the process at the border is being mismanaged in, in many terrible ways. A lot of it is the fallout from Trump-era policies that are still in place. Uh, for example, um, he put into place a program called the Migrant Protection Protocols, or NPP, which requires asylum seekers to remain on the Mexican side of the border while they await their um, hearings before immigration judge. And that has continued under the Biden administration. As you probably know, he did try to terminate that program. There was litigation. It went to the Supreme Court. Initially, they said he could not terminate it. It went down to lower court judge, went back up to the Supreme Court, which has now said he can terminate it. But there are still procedures that have to go through the lower court system, and there has to be a new um, policy memorandum issued, et cetera. Um, it seems to me that the Biden administration is dragging its feet in terms of terminating that program. And it should be terminated for a couple of important reasons. One is that it's inhumane to make people sleep on the streets in dangerous Mexican border cities while waiting to see an American immigration judge. It makes no sense to me. Um, and second, it really is denying people their rights to asylum under U.S. and international Kareem, law. Kareem, can I can I interrupt you for a second? I, I've seen footage a film footage of people living in our streets. So mm -hmm. I do agree living in our streets is different than living in the streets in Mexico, but there's still, it's a difficult lift taking care of all the people coming in. But the one thing I do want to say to you, and I want to ask you this question because this is something that has been suggested that the people that do seek asylum here, people accessing the country, they're being given court dates, quote unquote, and there's a lot of no shows. Can you speak to that for me? There really aren't a lot of no-shows. 90, 90 plus percent of people make their court dates. And there are ways that the administration can manage that rather than forcing them to sleep on the streets in Mexican cities. They can let them in and use various alternatives to detention. Now, nowadays, you're giving people apps on their phones and they have to check in regularly. People seeking asylum want asylum. And the only way to get it is to show up at, for their court dates. Uh, there may be a small number of people who are picked up on the streets because of criminal charges who will skip their court dates because they don't want to be incarcerated or in prison again. But asylum seekers want asylum, and they know there's only one way to do that, and that is to show up in court. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the vice president, as you know, was appointed to manage this problem. I'm not going to critique whether she did or she didn't. I leave that to people to generate their own opinions. But she did allude to an interesting concept or, or notion about root cause. I think you heard that as well, uh, Corrine. Mm -hmm. You know, my this is something I do say to people on a regular basis. You have to appreciate the mindset of a woman with young children or a family fleeing everything they know, including their families. 
um, to head for daylight, so to speak, you know, and coming to the United States, you got to have a little bit of a heart here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in addressing this issue of root cause, you know, our government's quick to insinuate themselves into regions of the world where they have no business doing so. You know, we, we experienced the fallout in the Middle East. You know, I have my own opinions about what drove that money, oil. I don't know why our government doesn't go south and say, listen, guys, clean up your racks, start treating your people better so they're not heading towards our borders. Otherwise, we'll come in and do it for you. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a, of, um, a hawkish mentality, but it's really designed, Kareem, to problem solve. Because you and I both know, you know more than I do what they're fleeing when they're heading here. And, and, you know, and I tell people in this country, there are some real interesting discussions that need to take place, especially the population of this country. Currently, we're at 335 million people. Kareem, the truth of the matter is that we're not taking care of our own people. The mentally ill, the homeless, our children, our veterans. You know, I could continue to rattle it off. Our poor people are just sucking wind today with this um, cost of living and, and the price of gasoline. So I, I'd like to hear your perspective on, you know, problem solving at the root cause, which has been alluded to by our, our elected official. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there in what you're talking about. I mean, if we're talking about root causes. I think it's pretty well understood that um, a lot of what drives people is violence, uh, thanks to drug cartels and gangs, um, governments that are corrupted by drug money, Lack of economic opportunity, change is a big driver, um, even, or maybe especially in Central America, people are losing their land, not able to feed their families. Um, I think what we sometimes forget when we talk about root causes, though, is the extent to which a lot of it goes back to earlier U.S. interventions in that part of the world that unfortunately helps to drive the breakdown of the rule of law. Um, and also our deportation machine, where back in the 1980s, for example, there were mass deportations of people from cities like Los Angeles to countries like El Salvador, mostly young men who had no skills. Um, sometimes they hadn't been in their country since they were infants, so they had no family, no connections, no education. And why they get together in gangs. Um, and so a lot of the, the gang violence in Central America can be directly traced back to the U.S. deportation of members of gangs that formed initially in Los Angeles and then went to El Salvador. Uh, and as I said, you know, got together in gangs just as a means of sheer survival. Yeah. For, for an educational uh, purpose, can you speak to a definition of a refugee? Is there a difference between that and asylum seeker? What's the, the, the language difference there, uh, Corrine? They're really the same. An asylum seeker is somebody who seeks to be accorded refugee status and to gain that status, you have to show that you have been persecuted in your home country or in your previous country of residence, if it wasn't your home country. And, and that you has guys to be do un- that. You do that vetting process, am I correct? Um, well, as a lawyer representing asylum clients, we will talk to them to find out if they have suffered persecution that fits into any of the five grounds under the law, which is race, nationality, religion, um, political opinion, or one catch-all category called membership in a particular social group. Uh, but they have to demonstrate to an immigration judge that they have suffered persecution based on one of those grounds. Can I ask you to hold for a second? We're going to go to a quick break. I want to come back to this young lady. This is very insightful, and there's a lot to learn and a lot to speak to. Young lady, Corrine Shannon, she's a, a, an immigration lawyer. We're going to be right back, guys. Stick with us.
If you're looking for peace of mind, look no further than Global Elite for your safety. Global Elite Security Force is made up of active and former law enforcement agents. Their force has worked at the federal, state, and local level. They are dedicated to providing the most professional personal security and investigative services available in the private sector. With offices nationwide and globally, this footprint gives Global Elite the ability to coordinate protection and security anywhere in the world. Think of Global Elite Protection Services for special events, dignitaries, high-profile net worth individuals, and the entertainment industry security services. Offering drones, weapons detection, shot sporting, chem bio detection, executive protection surveillance, dignitary protection, threat assessment, private investigation, and cyber security. They are the experts in intelligence and private protection services. Go to globalelite.us.com. That's globalelite.us.com to engage global elite. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional-sounding podcast. Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. Okay, guys, we're back, and I have a, a, a very highly intelligent um, young lady on the phone, Corrine Shannon. She's an attorney, works in Mexico, and helps facilitate access of people who have legitimate need to come into the United States. Um, Corrine, I, I want to ask you this. Um, are, are you a proponent of open borders? How do you feel about that? Because that's been alluded to by some in, in the political arena in this country. Yeah, that is alluded to by many. And I think just like the people that talk about defunding the police, it's really the wrong way to approach these issues. Um, migration should be a basic human right. Human beings have migrated from the beginning of humanity. It's why the planet is populated by humans. So in theory, sure, open borders should be the fairest solution. Um, let humans migrate where there's opportunity and things will sort themselves out in the long term. But But I'm practical and I believe that being able to control one's borders is one of the fundamental attributes of sovereignty. It's what makes a nation a nation. Um, so no, I don't necessarily believe in open borders. Do you believe we're controlling our borders, in your opinion, right now? I believe we are making a choice about what's happening at the border. Um, are we controlling the borders? No. Um, but we try to control. The more we try to militarize the U.S.-Mexico border, the worse it gets. Migration isn't going to stop. People are fleeing for their lives. People can't feed their children. People can't keep their, themselves or their children alive. Uh, they're being pushed out, as we all know, into dangerous ways of crossing the border, you know, climbing through mountains and deserts where people die I'm of dehydration. I'm aware that of that. awful yeah. situation recently of those people that were found dead in a truck. 
um, they wouldn't put themselves in that situation if they felt like they had a new choice. I, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And that's what I say to people because there are some people that are just absolutely closed minded. You're probably aware we had someone drown either yesterday or today trying to, to gain access to the country. This is a really interesting conversation because it, it does lend itself to the nation's security. It lends itself to a lot of tangential discussions about who pays for it, for example. You know, the one thing I've listened to, Karina, is that as we're allowing people to access the country, we're giving them cell phones. Why don't we give them Social Security cards, which we can encourage them to go to work? And the other question is this. Is it legal for us as employers in the United States to employ people who are illegally in the country? Yes, you, you raised two good points. Um, no, it's not legal to employ somebody who's not legal in the country. And obviously that's exactly, sure. I mean, you have push factors and pull factors in terms of people coming here and the pull factors are the jobs. And if you have employers that are willing to hire people for rock bottom wages, knowing they're illegal, that's not good for anybody. It exploits the workers and it undermines our economy. In terms of giving people a social security number, I think we really do need to open up more legal pathways for essential workers, for farm workers, for people working in construction, hospitality, the jobs that Americans really don't want to take. And that even when employers seek U.S. workers for those jobs, they don't show up, they don't apply, or they don't stay in the job. Um, There's a reason why people are working in farms that are from other countries because we can't fill those jobs otherwise. We do have a, a visa program for agricultural workers, for example, but it should be expanded and it should be made easier for employers to comply and hire legally and it should be easier for workers to come in and go home. The problem with a militarized border and a, a wall, whether it's a physical wall or a virtual wall, is that migrants come to this country and then they're stuck here. They don't necessarily want to stay here. They want a job, they want to work, they want to send money home and go back and live with their families again. And the militarization of the border keeps that from happening. Yeah, Kareem, but here's my question. You know, the the term to militarize is, is can be a little contentious, not to pick on you there, um, because it is a real sensitive word. But how else can we manage the border if we don't build a wall and employ technology to monitor the activities at the border? How do you suggest we do that? I, I am in agreement with you. The optic is terrible. I don't think the founding fathers ever envisioned that we would have walls around America. But the population back in 1776 was two and a half million, not 335 million. So I would ask you, um, with your concern, which is legitimate, about militarization, I don't think that's the exercise. That's certainly not the optic we want to create. But how do we intelligently regulate, control the border, and engage in a, a vetting process regarding those accessing the country? G- give me give me some well, help. Well, again, I, I think we need to open up more legal pathways. One of my pet peeves is when people say, oh, those people that are crossing the border illegally, they should come in the right way. They should stand in line like I did or my grandfather did or my ancestors did. The problem is that there is no line for most people. There is no legal way to come in. And what we need to do is open up legal ways. And then people aren't going to want to take those dangerous trips across the desert um, to access life, not even just a good life or a better life, just life, just being able to to work in their families. Uh, we can do that. We need to do that. You know, this is really a difficult, difficult uh, conversation to have today because, you know, in America, we sit here, and I think you know this, you grew up here, we take so much for granted. And, and people mm-hmm. are just trying to acquire what we have. My concern is not that we allow people in, but it's done 
in a in a manner in which we can manage it. You know, that's one thing. What's interesting right now, Karina, is we're listening to two mayors, and I'm not politically driven. Please understand that. I'm driven by the truth. I don't care where it takes me. That's where it goes. Um, one in D.C. and one in New York, and they're complaining about managing migrants coming into their jurisdictions. Well, what did everybody think was going to happen here when we started to allow literally millions of people to come into the country, you know, seeking asylum, seeking this thing called America, this dream, this experiment called America? What did they think was going to happen? Did the mayor in D.C. think they were going to be relegated to only certain cities or states? I'm really confused. I'd like to hear your opinion on this, to be honest. Well, for one thing, if the governor of Texas weren't putting migrants in buses and shipping them to New York and D.C., that would alleviate some Isn't of that Isn't that what problem. the government's doing, shipping them to cities in, Nashville, in Tennessee, Arizona, and Florida? Isn't that the same mechanism the federal government's employing? You see, no. I, 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 no, I'm not agreeing not with what he's people. doing, but I'm trying to give you what the rationale is. So why is it okay for the government, the federal government, to do that and to arbitrarily decide whose jurisdiction they're going to overburden with migrants? But if someone from the state of Texas does it to give themselves relief, it's a problem. You see where I'm going with this? Uh, no, I don't because the federal government is not doing that. Well, ha- hold on one second. So how are they landing in White, in, um, uh, White Plains Airport? in the middle of the night and they have it on film and i'm and that's this is my community also so i talk to people how is that happening i'm so sorry ma'am i'm not aware of that particular incident you're talking about but certainly please take me on my word okay i do people cross the border um and most migrants coming from mexico and central america do have somewhere in the united states so they will typically go to wherever they know people that's a natural thing right you're going to go where you have somewhere to stay. Um, so they'll get on a bus or they'll get on a plane um, and they'll go to those jurisdictions. In terms of the federal government, they do move people from one detention center to another, from one area of the country to another. Um, I'm not aware of the federal government necessarily shipping migrants and just letting them off in the old place. Corrine, I can only tell you this truthfully and factually based. That's what's happened. They pulled up in some cities and just offloaded on bu- from buses in New York, it's a, it, it became a real incident, uh, interesting discussion because they, they came in the middle of the night. It was covered. They, they videotaped it. You know, the, the news responded to it. The police had no knowledge of them arriving, which is really irregular. And I don't even know if the, if the, the FBO there was aware of what was transpiring. But I'm not making that up because I'm pointing the finger upset with the migrants. What I'm really trying to point out is the fact that the government is actively involved in the very same practice that they're accusing Texas and Arizona of being guilty of. And I'm not saying that either way is the proper way to handle it. I'm just saying it's happening. And unfortunately, the migrants are being caught in a crossfire. You know, I want to say one thing that I find really interesting. It's again, this word hypocrisy without being attached to any type of political agenda, which I am not. One of our political parties who is pushing back or has been adverse to this need migrants to come in here to work because Lord knows Americans don't want to work. And I think you'll agree with that. Well, I mean, that's why I mentioned before that we need a, a legal pathway for people to come in to take jobs that Americans don't want to take. I, I agree with I can't argue that with you. And we, we do need people in. You know, part of my concern, though, and I said this a bit earlier, Karine, is that we're struggling to take care of the people we have here right now. I, I think that's inarguable. You know, I think there's a problem with the homeless. The government doesn't seem to be able to handle this. 
there seems to be a problem with the mentally ill. We just passed some bipartisan gun control act, which I allude to as being smoke and mirrors, where they included funding for the mentally ill and funding for, you know, school safety. But I don't see any of this happening. You know, I, I, I just don't understand how the country that's grown exponentially large over time is going to take on more people and properly care for them. This whole thing is just like it just goes in a circle. I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. And I do want to say one thing to you so you and I are clear. I think what you're doing is admirable. I think it's part of a solution. But I think there's many more moving parts to this thing other than just allowing people into the country, into the millions. You know, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's got to be some other support mechanism here that lends itself to taking care of them. And by the way, I do want to bring up, which I say all the time, we're at an interesting point in time in this country. You know, our borders do not seem to be managed properly, period. Our major cities, the crime's going through the roof. There seems to be no boundaries or consequences. Our economy, you know, the cost of living, the inflation rate is cataclysmic, which is affecting um, disposable income. And yet we're going to go to the very same taxpayer suffering from a loss of disposable income to augment or supplement people coming across. You see where I'm going with this thing? Well, you know, I can't disagree with you in terms of the lack of services available to the homeless, the mentally ill, et cetera. We definitely need to attack that. I don't think that immigrants come in are, I don't think you can say that one is affected by the other necessarily. First of all, um, immigrants are not eligible for most um, public welfare type uh, programs. Um, they're, They're barred from that. So it's not costing the government that way. In fact, most studies show that Immigrants are a net positive to the economy because they contribute more um, in taxes that they pay. And most immigrants do pay taxes, even undocumented immigrants. Um, They pay more in taxes than they get back in services. The other thing to keep in mind is is the larger picture. You're talking about the growing population. But, you know, most of the Western world and places like Japan are suffering the opposite. They're having um, negative birth rate. So the population is not being replaced. Populations are shrinking. The United States is one of the few industrialized countries where that has not happened. And most economists attribute that to immigration, that immigrants are a net positive to the economy. Without immigrants, we would not be giving birth to enough babies to replace the population. Our population would start shrinking, and, and that has a negative impact on the economy. We're going to go to a quick break again, Corrine. We're going to be right back, guys. We're having a really interesting conversation. We're learning a lot here today. We're going to be right back. I stick with us. If you're looking for peace of mind, look no further than Global Elite for your safety. Global Elite Security Force is made up of active and former law enforcement agents. Their force has worked at the federal, state, and local level. They are dedicated to providing the most professional personal security and investigative services available in the private sector. With offices nationwide and globally, this footprint gives Global Elite the ability to coordinate protection and security anywhere in the world. Think of Global elite protection services for special events, dignitaries, high-profile net worth individuals, and the entertainment industry security services. Offering drones, weapons detection, shot sporting, chem bio detection, executive protection surveillance, dignitary protection, threat assessment, private investigation, and cyber security. They are the experts in intelligence and private protection services. Go to globalelite.us.com. That's globalelite.us.com to engage Global Elite. 
Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional-sounding podcast. Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. And we're back, guys. I have a young lady on the phone, Kareen Shannon. She's a, an immigration lawyer and has been... Uh, very insightful as to her perspective as to the migration issue in the United States. You know, the, the question I have is that, you know, for the United States, and this, this is a question that's legitimate for you and I, is there a certificate of occupancy on the country? You know, and, I, and I'm not targeting that question towards migrants. I just mean in a general sense because we've seen the byproduct of the fallout of overpopulating countries like China and India. You know, my question, Kareen, is that, is there a break point where we say, well, now we have 350 million people who are in the country, and regardless of need, we can't accommodate you? Because as I said to you a moment ago, I don't see us accommodating anybody. I do want to ask you one other question, though, that I, w- I would like you to, to speak to, if possible. When, when migrants, young women and children, for example, come into the country, are we not facilitating medicine, food, clothing, shelter, education? Do we not do that to government? Well, thank you, young man, for your questions. I can't really speak to the population numbers because that's not my area of expertise. I'll just repeat what um, I have learned from reading the leading economists that a shrinking population is more of a danger to our future than a growing population. In terms of your second question, um, no. People that cross the border seeking asylum um, are not given anything. If you come in through the resettlement programs, you come in from abroad from some famine or, or awful humanitarian crisis somewhere in the world, um, and you're vetted by the United Nations and all of that, then there are services available. But these people crossing the border, they don't get anything. Kareen, don't who's get taking care, who's taking care of them? Nobody's taking care of them. That's the tragedy. Nobody. So they, they, I want to make sure I understand this then, and correct me if I'm wrong, please. They, they, they're given access to the country, and they just kind of wander aimlessly with the expectation or hope that they might find somebody that they know here already? That's well, what as our I mentioned, government those is people doing? that come here already have family members somewhere in the country. So, yes, they are released. They're given a court date and they're told, good luck. Hope you can feed yourself, even though you're not legally allowed to work. And uh, we'll see you in three years in the immigration court. And, and no consideration given to children? I mean, even mm-hmm. on, even the children coming? Children are children in my world. I don't care where you're from. You're mm-hmm. a child. You're entitled to something better than this nonsense we're giving you today. We're doing this even with children? That Absolutely. we're hoping they land on their feet. Say yeah. again, Kareen. Say again, please. Well, if you're talking about children coming in alone, the unaccompanied minors. Either way, that's, that's either a way. Situation. Kareen, either way, children are a real sensitive spot in my mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. I don't care where they're from. When they land here, there should be consideration given to them, period, end of discussion. I hope what I'm not hearing is that they come in and we go, well, geez, we hope you land on your feet and you find somebody you know. 
that's exactly what we're doing, except for unaccompanied minors who are then taken into foster care and either reunited with families if they have any family members or are placed with foster families. And is this something that your organization is doing to address this remissful approach to people that we're allowing into the country? In other words, this is quite interesting. We're allowing literally millions of people to come in and we're going like, good luck. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. No, my organization in particular, no, but certainly there are social service organizations that do try to fill in that gap and depending on what city they land in, hopefully better in DC or New York than in Houston or Dallas, they're going to be more services available through nonprofit. We have Catholic charities. Am I correct? Isn't that one of the organizations yeah, that's, that's that facilitates? Yeah. 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 This is incredible to learn this today. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, were under the impression that people who come into the country when we let them in, we're continuing to support them here. Common fallacy, and it's simply not true. Yeah, and, and, and that lends itself to burdening the taxpayer, which I alluded to also. So there's some misinformation being pushed around, and I want to make sure I'm not mm-hmm. part of that process. Right. This is a little disheartening to hear, to be honest, that the government is facilitating access in one regard and then just kind of rolling the dice at the expense of children. Look, the big people are the big people. Well, I would people. have to disagree with that, that characterization, facilitating okay, go, access. Go. go ahead. U.S. and international law require all nations who are party to those treaties to allow asylum seekers to seek asylum. So facilitating access to imply something nefarious, and I just push back on that a little bit. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't mean it in a nefarious uh, way. Um, I I just used it as just a general uh, concept or term to identify people accessing the country. I just said facilitated. It had no no underlying agenda uh, attached to it. But um, are you basically saying that we're obligated to let people into the country? If they are seeking asylum, if they express a credible fear of persecution in their home countries, yes, yeah. that's that's required under U.S. and international law. And, and you and I are keenly aware that the, the, this persecution, this mistreatment is going on rampantly in countries in Central and South America that I said we should basically address. I have a lot of interesting ways to address problems. Some people might not like them. You know, I, I'm just a problem solver. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. Um, he, he, so here's a question I have, you know. Looking forward, moving forward, what do you see that we can do to kind of fix this process that's going on? I mean, I do agree in terms of root causes that the United States could be doing more to help countries that are in various states of collapse, uh, to shore up their economies, to create a situation where people don't feel the need to leave. For example, here in Mexico, where I'm, I'm not working, but I'm here temporarily and a volunteer with a local organization. The, the minimum wage for 2022 just went up to about 170 pesos. It's about $8.40 a day, not an hour, a day. And that's for people that work in the formal economy. It's estimated that about 50% of the Mexican uh, working population work in the so-called informal economy under the table. So they're working a lot less than $8 a day. And Mexico is better than the other countries in the Northern America where the economy is in free fall. Um, so... I would definitely like to see a more U.S. aid uh, targeted to, to places and, and projects in the sending countries that would help, I feel like, they need to leave. Um, that's one thing. 
Um, the other thing, as I mentioned a couple of times before, and I think it's worth emphasizing, we need to create more legal pathways for the workers that we do need in our economy to do jobs that don't get done otherwise. Is that being done, though, Kareen? Are, are, are we attempting to, to facilitate these pathways? Well, we words, do already have two seasonal worker um, programs, legal programs for agricultural workers, so farm workers, and for other seasonal workers, so people that work in the hospitality industry, things like that. Um, but we need to expand those, we need, and we need to get the information out to people in the sending countries that these programs exist. There's a lot of misinformation out there by the human smugglers that are making up these poor people who pay their their and their families' entire life savings to get themselves smuggled over the border, where if they knew that they could actually get a visa, <laughs> they would go get a visa. You know, but one thing, one thing I want to go back to, if I may, um, uh, Kareen, you know, it's not legal for us as, you know, you probably, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I own a private security group. And, and it's not legal for us to employ people who are illegal in the country or aren't U.S. citizens, but we want them to come here so they can learn to take care of themselves. You, you see a little bit of the contradiction? Well, look, there's, there's a wink and a nod with that law, right? Yes, it's illegal for employers to hire people that are undocumented, wink, wink, nod, nod. But we know it happens all the time. And in fact, we wouldn't have the, the cheap produce that we have in our country without that, right? We do have that agricultural worker visa, but a lot of farm owners don't use those visas. They hire people under the table because it's cheaper for them and keeps our prices down. Understood. I want to yield the floor to Corrine to give her any kind of closing remarks as to me, as opposed to me presenting a closing. Corrine, you have the floor. Well, thank you, young man, for this opportunity. I appreciate being able to talk to you and hear different points of view. Um, I do think a lot of my colleagues in the immigration bar don't like this, but I do think our immigration system is broken. It's inefficient. It's uh, inhumane. And there are a lot of things that we can do to change that. One is to um, rescind the Trump era policies, the migrant protection protocols uh, policy I mentioned before that keeps people in Mexico while waiting for their court dates and title 42 that supposedly was imposed to keep COVID from coming into the country, except that's not the way it got here. It didn't get here from Mexico. Uh, it was really just a way to shut down the border. Uh, we need to open the border in a humane and efficient way. Um, let people come in who genuinely fear persecution so they can seek asylum and provide other legal pathways for people that are coming here to work uh, and take care of their families. Okay, guys, we're going to close today. I want to thank you so much. Corrine, I do want to um, invite you back because I think this is a conversation that needs to continue. So uh, thank you, and I, I appreciate uh, you joining us today. Bye, guys. Bye.